Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Right, delighted to be joined on the show by Stephen Ferris. Stephen, uh, look, to be honest, I thought we were going to be talking to you about the Heineken Cup final because I never checked the calendar and I had it in my head that what better way than building up brilliant semi-finals at the weekend, brilliant quarter-finals the week before, what better way to end the season than starting next season and waiting three weeks for the final? I know, I know. How bizarre, but it's just... It's just the way everything has been, eh? Just over the last number of weeks. And uh, yeah, I was in Exeter. We had to cover the game, the Ulster game from Toulouse in the Exeter. Um, it seemed fitting to cover it from there because Exeter were playing Northampton in that quarterfinal. And then the semifinals come around, um, sitting watching it on TV, seeing Saracens get beaten um, by Rafsing, it was brilliant to see because I'm fed up of watching the dire rugby that Saracens are playing, just the edge out games. It's just it's just not great on the eye. Like it might it might be brilliant to be involved in, it might be amazing to be able to coach a set of players like that that are so physical and give absolutely everything. But like it is boring to watch and I'm so glad that we've got two teams that like to play a bit of rugby in, in, in Exeter and, and in Racing ninety two. It's going to be a brilliant game. Hopefully, it's not a final where it's really cagey and edgy. But both teams are loaded with players that like to go out and play with flair and throw it around. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. And obviously, with a final just around the corner the following week, oh, no, that's not happening. We're back to the start of the season with the Pro 14, um, which is good because, you know, Ulster are playing at home this weekend. There's the good news of 600 fans yeah. being allowed into the stadium. Um, and... Yeah, there seems to be a small bit of hope that things are maybe changing up here regarding sport and supporters being allowed back. Now, I think everybody's maybe getting ahead of themselves ever so slightly, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's encouraging, Mick, that you know we're, we're seeing the start of the season and things changed a little from from where we picked off or where we left off uh, in the Pro 14 last season. Yeah, it's probably the main thing I wanted to talk to you about actually was this news that also we're going to let in 600 fans because you've been at a good few games now covering on TV and we talked a little bit about the eeriness and the weirdness of it. And like, I mean, I'm sure players have got used to it. They're all professionals they've got going. But even just 600 people, even in a big stadium like Kingspan, you know, it will just feel like more like competitive rugby because they've all played games be it growing up or whatever, where there was just like a limited amount of people at a, at a game and sparse and spread out across the stadium. But suddenly you just feel like you're back in. And how much of an impact, like you're a former player, you've been at these games looking at how weird you are. How much of an impact is just even just a few fans going to make? Yeah, like I've played at Kingspan or Ravenhill as it was back then for Dungannon against Ballymena um, in cup finals. You know, when, when the two best teams in the, in the Ulster League came head to head, usually Dungannon against Ballymena. And we won a couple of those trophies. And again, there was maybe four or 500 people in the stadium um, at that time. But for sure, you could hear them. You know, for mm-hmm. sure, you could feel um, a bit of frustration. You could feel their atmosphere. You could feel their excitement. And it'll be interesting to see how they work it. I know watching the, the Harlequins versus Wasp game, I think maybe four or five weeks ago, um, or was it Wasp? I can't remember who it was they were playing. And there was alcoholic beverages being brought to the seat, you know, food being, being brought to the seat. Everybody had an app where um, they were given a specific time to get into the ground and out of the ground. And it seemed to work really, really well. Um, I'm not sure what, what way Ulster are going to do it. In terms of the TV, we thought we were going to have to be put in a, in a stand somewhere 
um, out of the way, but thankfully we're allowed back on pitch side. So even on the TV, it'll feel like, you know, the lads will be warming up right behind you. They'll be able to get crowd shots um, of, of kids enjoying themselves with their, with their mum or dad or whoever it may be. So I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's good for the TV. It's good. It gives fans hope. Um, it gives a small bit of revenue back to uh, back to Ulster. And hopefully, you know, other governments um, take wind of what the, the Northern Irish government has, has done here and allow a certain amount of fan, fans back in. It's you know yourself, Mike, it's more like a trial and error process with, yeah. with all this. You know, we'll see how it goes. And then the following week or two weeks later against Dragons, whoever it is, coming to Belfast, there might be double that. There might be 1,200 there. So, yeah, it's just a massive positive, I think, that we're, we're able to see a few fans back in there. Definitely. I think even from a TV point of view, if people are going to be tuning into the rugby a bit this year, it's going to make a big difference. Because if you're watching the NFL, they've got four or five stadiums have – you know, sparse, and they're really well spread out. You look at them and you go, God, how could they be making any noise? But the difference in that noise compared to the piped-in fake noise is just light and day. It's made, <laughs> it's a completely different uh, experience watching it. So I'm looking forward to that. The games this weekend, look, they're not like... I, I, Leinster won to 50 on Ladbrokes to beat the Dragons. Ulster are heavy favourites to beat Benetton. Scarlets and Munster is probably the best game, really, and Connacht and Glasgow as well. But even looking beyond this game this week... It's kind of like, it's a good chance to kind of look where everybody is. It's weird with one season running into another. But the first question I have is about Leinster, really, is because a couple of, when they lost the Saracens, um, we didn't have you on because, uh, you know, it was, I thought there was a little bit too much doom and gloom and Irish rugby is finished and it's going to be, a, it's, 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 you know, all, all this nonsense that happens every time Irish teams get knocked out in the quarterfinals and it's going to be all English French from now on. But I do think that Saracens not going on and winning the following week does at least raise a question as to where Leinster are and this like 26 game in a row and beaten run and how they're dominating the Pro 14. And when it comes to Europe, we're thinking, well, look, if they're not the best team, they're the second best team. But now, I know it doesn't necessarily work like that, that they wouldn't beat Racing. Yeah. But you are thinking, right, there's actually a good few teams that are in at least that bracket and can beat them. And I, I just wonder, are Leinster going to look at themselves coming into this season and think maybe we're not as far along as maybe we thought we were, or certainly the Irish media thought we were? Yeah, um, like the game was won or lost in the scrum. You know, there was seven scrum penalties or something against Leinster throughout the day. Um, if Tag Furlong had been playing, would have made a difference, probably. Um, you know, bringing Porter off the bench, fresh, uh, to make a bit of an impact. I think sometimes it comes down to personnel. But then you look at the personnel that Saracens have actually lost this season. Yeah. And were, you know, maybe seven or eight of their starting players from last year I've either moved on or, you know, Farrell's out, out um, with the ban and one or two other lads injured. <sighs> I thought it, before, and I know I chatted to you about it, I was like, this is going to be a real leveller. You know, there's no crowd. Um, we'll see two really good teams going at it. And I just felt like at times in that match that the physicality and the aggression levels of Saracen just were, were slightly above Leinster. Mm. And I know Leo came out um, after the match and said that Leinster were spooked but uh, like I don't believe that for a second you know how does a team that's won multiple European Cups leagues you know has oh, hundreds and hundreds of, of Ireland Caps and Lions Caps amongst it get spooked at home um, in a quarter final where they've been over a dozen times like so uh, I just I didn't get that um, I, I think they were just out muscled I don't mm. think they were really outplayed because 
there isn't much play this Arsenal's game. <laughs> like you all know that you're just going to get box kicks. They're going to feed off your mistakes. They're going to win penalties. Their line speed is super aggressive. Um, they don't commit anybody to rucks. And uh, I, I think a few times against uh, Racing, Racing started to pick and go a little bit around the fringes, and they were getting meters, and they were getting the odd. Um, Quarter bus when Saracens were getting up, they were having to retreat, retreat instead of just getting up, resetting two passes, getting up, smash somebody. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really happy that Saracens are are, are are out of the competition. Um, like I, I love a lot of the people that are involved in Saracens, I just don't like their style of rugby. And right. I think a lot of people, a lot of people that see them thinking it's me. But back to Leinster, I just think it, it was an off day. Like it, it almost right. felt like. It almost felt like it was coming for some reason. Yeah, you know, everybody was yeah, like, everybody was like, oh yeah, yeah, everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, Leinster's going to fall at some stage, and they're not as good as everybody thinks. You know, the Pro 14, a few of the teams in there are struggling. Like we, we're hearing that there might be um, other big South African teams yeah. coming that will will certainly strengthen the league. But um, yeah, this Leinster team, and maybe sometimes make sometimes too much change. I was you know, going to be a big. Yeah. Yeah, getting into a big, a big game like Sean Cronin catapulted into this match from absolutely nowhere. Um, I know Ronan Keller had a bit of a oh, it probably wasn't all his fault in the first game or the first half against Ulster in the in the, in the, in the Pro 14 final. There was changes made there. I know the back back line was fairly similar. Scott Farley, that experience in the second row, he was left on the bench. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think Leo Collin. I think I know I'm going round round circles here, but Leo Cullen will probably learn an awful lot from the last six weeks of what way they approach things in the future if they get themselves to the same stage next year. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on them too long because I want to talk about the other teams and just basically who's going to win the Pro 14. But, you know, is there a question of having... We talked about it as a positive that you don't know what team is going to come from week to week and having maybe like 30 yeah. or 40 top-level players. But if you're changing a back row every week and guys are playing week in, week out and Van der Fleer is basically man the match in the Pro 14 final and Connors comes in for him in the, in the next week, it's like combinations matter in rugby and you're not playing a lot with the same guys all the time. You know, it, it does eventually, like, I suppose it's a double-edged sword, maybe. You're keeping lads fresh and you're giving people game time, but it does, eventually, you have to question whether these guys are playing together enough, I suppose. I, like, we weren't saying that two weeks ago. No, you know, we weren't. when they were, when they were um, mixing and matching all the time and putting out really good performances and we were saying that was the strength of Leinster rugby was that it didn't matter who played, it seemed to get the, the best out of them because they were scared of losing their place for the following week and as you rightly said there, Van der Fleer getting man of the match and then getting dropped the following week and you know, it's 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 one of those ones where Leo Cullen is, you know, that's what he's getting paid to do is making those big decisions but there is absolutely no doubt that maybe two, three weeks prior to the quarterfinal, they were looking at what the right combinations were to play against Saracens. Sure. You know, this wasn't this wasn't just a, oh yeah, we're dropping Van der Fleer because, you know, Connors has played brilliant the last couple of weeks. I think they had it in their head that uh. Connors is a better chop tackler than Van der Fleer. Got Billy Vinopolo to come up against CJ Stander two weeks previous to that. We're going to go with him. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I always like playing with some similar guys because you did build up relationships. You did understand the way they played. Um, you know, I'd love to play with Marcel Kutsia now because I don't see any Ulster players running support lines off him. Mm. Like no, like any generally breaks the contact and he has his arms free. Like it, it 
cracks me up watching him because I would just be on his outside shoulder or his inside shoulder, or you would have Tommy Bow trailing on, on his inside, always looking for that offload. And all you see is guys just latching onto him and smashing over him. So I think it is important to to, to have relationships and um, to build that over you know a period of games. And maybe we will we will see a bit more of that from Leicester this season. Yeah, knowing what everybody's going to do is key. So just looking at the odds here. So it's a long season. We're going to talk about these teams a lot more over the course of the year. But just to sort of think about... Um, Ladbrokes have Leinster as four to seven. Again, does that suggest where the Pro 14 is and how far ahead they are of everybody? Last season definitely uh, looked at it. But just looking at the contenders, then you've Edinburgh five to one, Munster at six to one, Ulster ten to one, Scarlets fourteen, Glasgow twenty, and kind of you're kind of looking down from from Connacht to Cardiff and stuff, and to, uh, to Connacht to twenty five, Cardiff at fifty. You're sort of looking past them. Is so it's it's kind of the Scarlets, the Scottish teams, and the other Irish teams. What would you, who do you think kind of like see sort of uh, making a step up this year, I suppose, from where they were last year? I think we're going to see a, a much improved monster this season. Um, I think everybody gave them dogs abuse, probably myself included, Mick and you uh, and um, the rest of the lads about the place because of the style of rugby that they played against Leinster in that semi-final. And then Saracens went and done exactly the same thing, more or less, except just won a few more penalties and dominated the scrum. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And they won the game against Leinster and Munster didn't, you know. And and I think there is there are a lot more strings to Munster's bow than, than what we've seen over the last number of weeks. We've seen glimpses of it in, in the first game against Leinster. Uh, but I think they're going to make leaps and uh, come on leaps and bounds this season. Um, good coaching staff in place. have worked under Roundtree. Larkham is sure to bring something different to the table. They've got a good head coach in there that all the lads seem to respect. If they can get fans back into Thomond, we know that they're more or less unbeatable there. Um, and yeah, I fancy them to, to go on to a bit of a run and prove a lot of critics wrong. Um, and yeah, who knows? They might, you know, Snyman's obviously going to be out for another, well, yeah. probably another six, six months or so. Um, but, you know, the key players are going to step up. So yeah, I'm excited. And if I was going to put an outside bet, I would, I would put it on Monster. It's interesting here that Ulster are ten to one, considering they got the the final. Um, give a good showing for half an hour. I think it's interesting, and and I've been following not only the Pro Fourteen but the other leagues and the betting throughout all the other leagues. And having no fans is such a leveler, like mm. it really is. And even watching Northampton Seal last night, you know Northampton were only six points. Um, Minus or plus six points in that, and they got hockeyed at home. Like they've lost seven consecutive games in a row, and Seal were always going to win that game. And for me, they're always going to win it by more than six points. Like so, but would that stadium have been filled with fans, screaming fans, chanting at the referee, getting the odd 50-50 decision going their way? Then it, for me, it brings that right that margin so much closer. So this weekend, another six hundred fans going to be at the Ulster game. The Ulster press release yesterday, um, there was no news on Kutsia, but mm. Billy Burns is out with a calf injury. Stuart McCluskey, the vocal go-to player for Ulster, he's out with an elbow injury. Um, there was two or three other ah, lads so who would be in, in the 23. Yeah, yeah going to be out for yeah. a while. So not those many. I, I expect Benetton to come over, not playing much rugby with a point to prove and delay down a marker for the season. And, I'm not sure what the, the handicap will be in that game, but if it's 15 to 20 points, I, w- I would be you know, looking, looking closer to um, Bennett yeah. and beating that for sure. 12. 
on Ladbrokes then. So twelfth, yeah, it's yeah, probably, it's, yeah. A good, it's a good, it's a good handicap actually. It's kind of, it's not, it's not fifteen, it's not two. Well, if it went on the bookies, ever get it wrong, really? Like you know, <laughs> Benetton again, I will, yeah. I will, I will let you into a secret, though, Mick, and Ladbrokes won't like this, like. But I have a few friends who always put like twenty or thirty p on the handicap, uh, the draw on the handicap, and the draw on the handicap. I think with Ladbrokes is usually twenty five to one. Twenty five, yeah. So. 25 to 1 and off a of 31, I think it was 31p bet there a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was a, a friend of mine got a double up. Um, so it was a double up for 31p. It was 209 quid. So, uh, and, and that's just that's just on the, the tie on the handicap every week. You know, yeah. for the sake of 20 or 30p, like um, there's, there's huge odds there for a double on that. There you go. Absolutely. Stephen, we'll be talking to you over the course of the season and I suppose even the rest of last season, which, if that makes any sense, my mind is actually uh, <laughs> going to blow up from it all. But uh, thanks a million for joining us this morning. No worries, mate.